0: Well, good evening and welcome again to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We're very excited to be with you this evening, picking up a program that we had done a couple weeks ago, beginning a series on the Holy Face. And uh, I have in the studio with me uh, this evening, as I do each week. Francis Harry. Francis, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm so happy we're here together, and hopefully the storm in our area won't knock us offline.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Francis, what is it about you and I in the studio <laughs> on a Monday night that <laughs> seems to attract thunderstorms? I think we've had this occur maybe half a dozen times. We're literally, for the listening audience, we're uh, sitting here looking out two large windows. We each have a large window to view, and we can see the uh, storms rolling in from uh, not too far off.
1: Pray for uh, us. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm not sure exactly when they're supposed to hit, but uh, they are supposed to cause a little bit of chaos. So uh, we'll say a prayer and uh, hope that uh, all goes well, and then we stay on the air, and we are able to then communicate this important message about the Holy Face. And Francis, I don't want to jump into it because I'll forget to uh, ask you to pray. So let's do that first, and then we'll get right into it.
1: Okay, this is going to come from a novena of the Holy Face that I found at www.holyface.org. And it comes from the fourth day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A Lord Jesus, who has said, Learn of me, for I am meek and gentle of heart and who did manifest upon thy holy face the sentiments of thy divine heart, grant that we may love to come frequently to meditate upon thy divine features. We may read there thy gentleness and thy humility and learn how to form our hearts in the practice of these two virtues which thou desirest to see shine in thy servants." Mary, our mother, and St. Joseph, help us through the merits of thy precious blood and your holy face. O Jesus, help us, pardon and mercy.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Francis, for uh, that prayer. And uh, I think it begins to emphasize the point that we want to start off with this evening. And that is, if you were listening to our first program on the Holy Face, and we actually received some wonderful feedback on that uh, particular program, of course, to tr- attribute all of that to the Holy Spirit. Um, but I want to say this. I, uh, if you listen to that, you know that the devotion to the Holy Face began in 1844 to 1847 when it was gifted to the Carmelites in tours uh, to Sister uh, Marie St. Peter and um, a, a young nun who was uh, in, in the Carmel in tours in the 1840s. Um, She actually died soon after. We're going to touch a little bit on the last facts of her life. But the reason I bring that up and emphasize it is because though that may be its beginning, I firmly believe that, and there are others, by the way, who I've spoken to in the last many weeks as we've continued to research this, I firmly believe uh, this is actually the hour and the time for the devotion of the Holy Face to really come to the fore in our society and in the church at a time when I think it's desperately needed. Well, that
1: brings a point I wanted to point out, and that was in the book that um, has the revelations of Sister Mary of St. Peter um, called The Golden Arrow. The publisher's preface wrote, wrote in here, After spending a number of years in the press, Father Scanlon noted the alarming spread of atheism, he became convinced that of all the published Catholic material that came to his attention as editor, the revelations of the French cloistered Carmelite nun, Sister Mary of St. Peter, dealt directly with the problem of overcoming atheism and restoring peace to the world. And hence, he publishes this book, um, The Golden Arrow.
0: Yeah, and Father uh, Father Scallon was actually uh, the brother to Dorothy Scallon, who was the editor who originally compiled the Golden Arrow. She and her brother were both very dedicated to the Catholic press, Uh, Francis de Sales, of course, being the patron of the Catholic press. And this is one in a a trio of books that they offered. The second one, which we're going to discuss this evening, because uh, the history of the holy man of tours, Leo DuPont, is a fascinating story if you haven't read it. Literally, the title of the book is "The Holy Man of Tours: The Life of Leo de Pont, a Saint in His Own Right." Uh, I've I no doubt, and uh, also
1: called the Apostle of the Holy Face Devotion.
0: Right, and and we'll tell his story. So I don't want to leap into it, but that's the second in the series, and the third in the series, of course, is uh, that uh, on our own Saint Therese of Lisieux.
1: Yes, uh, she had a great devotion to the Holy Face. In fact, her religious name was uh, St. Therese of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face. And the book that Dorothy Scallon wrote on that topic with St. Therese about St. Therese is called The Whole World Will Love Me The Life of St. Therese of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face so the whole world will love me and indeed they do (laughs) we love you Therese
0: well so Francis just quickly because I know we did a a program last week on our favorite books our favorite Carmelite Mm -hmm. texts and I just want to cover these three quickly so our, our listening audience has a chance maybe to write them down I think the most popular, and certainly the one you'll find most easily, is the Golden Arrow, and that's the one that spells out the devotion to the Holy Face, and does a fairly good job, I think, of the history. The Holy Man of Tours is the second one, the Holy Man of Tours, and the last is The Whole World Will Love Me, and that's uh, St. Therese's uh, own devotion to the Holy Face. We, in the first program, covered a little bit about um, Sister Marie of St. Peter, Sister Mary of St. Peter, and we want to finish that uh, history this evening, that biographical sketch as we so often do when we we begin to work with a new uh, individual in, uh, in, in one of our programs. But then we want to move very quickly into Leo DuPont and explain the critical role that he played in not so much perpetuating the devotion, but really, sustaining it until it could be perpetuated by the Holy Father.
1: Right. And before we get into that, Mark, you're much more researched on this topic than I am. So I want to ask you two questions that I hope you'll be willing to answer. <laughs>
0: or, or <laughs> I'm well him, enough to answer? I'm
1: going to put him on the spot here. <laughs> okay. First question, and and then I'm going to say both questions in a row. Um, why should we practice this devotion? And what's got you so excited about it? Because your excitement continues to build as I see you from week to week.
0: Well, uh, first of all, um, the excitement stems from the fact that it is a Carmelite devotion. We, we should be very clear about that. And I don't think we have to hedge on that, Francis. This was a Carmelite devotion. It was gifted to the Carmelite tours, um, to uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter, and it has been sustained uh, by the Carmelite order. Uh, Through St. Therese, of course, and uh, even today, um, there is a manual uh, for devotion to the Holy Face, which is very difficult to find, by the way. I found it online. I'm going to try to get a a copy of it.
1: Or two. (laughs) Or two.
0: um, From the uh, Carmelite Sisters in New Orleans. It was written in 1947. And it discusses, of course, the the whole breadth of the devotion and what it is that we're drawn to in the devotion. But succinctly... um, it is meditating, as John Paul II told us, seek the face of Christ. It is seeking the face of Christ. Now, unfortunately, uh, the reality is that as the Church suffers, as it has throughout its history, blasphemy and scourges, and and uh, uh, so much criticism, and uh, uh, certainly in our own day and age. But this was true in France in the 1840s, uh, with the beginnings of uh, you know the atheistic. Uh, uh, mindset and so forth and turning away from the church not limited to that era certainly but most pervasive in that era christ as he appeared to sister mary uh, of saint peter said uh, these blasphemies are an affront to my very face it is really literally um, uh, um, attacking the face of christ his holy church and so the bloody scourged Um, scarred face that we see in the image. Now, this is the image that Sister Mary of St. Peter would have um, dwelt on, which was the um, uh, image that was, uh, for all intents and purposes, the relic of Veronica, which was actually in Rome. That's the image that she dwelt on, and she could see certainly the pain in that face as a result as a consequence of the uh, blasphemy that that uh, the church was incurring as the devotion matures and we'll cover this in our next program um, in through St. Therese of Lisieux it really takes on a new character and that is the character not simply of suffering not simply of um, uh, the church responding to the affront of blasphemy and the profanation of Sunday by the way but also the image of that face becomes the very manifestation of love. In other words, Christ taking on that suffering again, beyond his physical body, but now in the church, the the extended body of Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, taking on that suffering again. Mm -hmm. And Therese had great devotion. We'll read, if not this evening, when we do cover Therese in the next program, her older sister, um, Agnes, who was also later the prioress of the Carmel, Uh, said that uh, Therese's greatest devotion, though many believe it was to the child of Jesus, it was actually to the Holy Face. And she says this unequivocally. And so uh, her contention is that what lifted Therese into such heights of sanctity, even before the age of 25, of course she died at 24, was her devotion to the Holy Face. Mm -hmm. And then just to finish the story, the... Devotion is again reintroduced into the church in 1944 through uh, uh, Mother Perina and takes on a new focus because of the advances in technology giving us the image of the shroud. And so now we have the image of the shroud in the the, uh, 40s and 50s and 60s on up to today uh, that we have as a source of the image and the fidelity, if you will, of the image that's available to us. And finally, today, through Gordon Deary in Montreal, who runs the uh, the, the Society for the Devotion of the Holy Face, uh, I think I have that right, I think it's the Society, you have it on your text over there, if I've mistaken it, but um, we, we have a new call to the devotion of the Holy Face, and I think most especially today, uh, certainly those of us in Carmel, and all Christians really, are being called to respond to... Um, unfortunately an onslaught of atheistic thinking of affronts against the church of criticism of the church um, in uh, both political economics and other social cultural realms and i believe that this is the time for the perpetuation of the devotion to the holy face and i'd love to hear by the way from our listeners many of whom i know because you've written us have a similar devotion to the holy face i'd love to hear other perspectives and other thoughts on this it's my own it's gained both through reading and prayer uh, and I would love to uh, to hear what others have to say about it. But I absolutely believe, though it was gifted to Carmel in the 1840s, today is the day and the hour for the perpetuation of the devotion to the Holy Face. And we in Carmel uh, need to be on the forefront of uh, of providing that insight and education.
1: Yeah, wasn't there something where the Lord was telling Sister Mary of St. Peter that... Um, I'm bringing this devotion to the Carmelites whose obligation is to praise my holy name. So, you know, this is so appropriate for uh, the Carmelites to be offering my holy face. Mark is looking to see if he can find the exact quote, but I, yeah. uh, <laughs> he found oh, it.
0: <laughs> to whom shall I dress myself if not a Carmelite? Whose vi- this? Is, these are the words of the Lord now, speaking to Sister Mary of St. Peter. To whom, it, 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 I'll give you the preface. Then our Lord made me hear, this is Sister Mary of St. Peter speaking, made me hear clearly that it was his desire to bestow mercy upon sinners by instituting this work of reparation. This is the point I want to make sure we emphasize, Francis. This is not. The army of the church standing up against the affronts uh, to the church, blasphemy and the profanation to Sunday. This is the mercy and love of the church reaching out to those sinners in their blindness and saying, no, even in my uh, uh, extreme condition, that that which is manifested in my bloodied face, I reach out to you with mercy and love. That's the story that St. Therese uh, Spoke so clearly, and certainly that was the story all along. But I think Therese brings her own unique uh, beauty to the way that that message was communicated. But let me finish. And as parting remark, he said to me, "Oh, to whom shall I address myself if not to a Carmelite?" That should make every uh, you know Carmelite's uh, the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit. Uh It does for me. Duty calls. (laughs) Whose very vocation obliges her unceasingly. To glorify my name. So this is our Lord calling on His Carmelite order, the special order uh, instituted by His Mother, to say, "Who else would I call on if not my Carmelites?" And
1: I'm starting to get the sense that this devotion is 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 not like a standalone. It is pulling together the. Uh, the adoration of His holy name, His holy face, the the whole
0: divine mercy, yes, and the Sacred Heart, absolutely, yes,
1: and the sacred and both Sacred Heart of Jesus and, and of immaculate Mary, the Heart
0: of Mary. Yes, right? in yes. fact, He says, the Lord says to Sister uh, Mary, "Do not separate the devotion to My Sacred Heart from that which you are." Uh, imparting to my mother's immaculate heart, don't ever separate those two hearts. It's critical
1: because yes, they're uh, one. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely.
1: Well, I have to say that um, our our former Pope John Paul II, when he wrote um, the. Uh, the Rosarium Virginis Mariae, um, of course I'm butchering Latin, <laughs> I'm sorry but here's the quote which I thought was very important, he says to contemplate the face of Christ in union with and at the school of his most holy mother to recite the rosary is nothing other than to contemplate with Mary the face of Christ.
0: Exactly. Mark, yeah.
1: so Mark you pointed out, oh we yep. got a call uh, You have Louise on yes. the line
0: well, hi, Louise. Good evening.
1: Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just had a question. Um, I had that little, I picked up a leaflet about a year ago, and I had it in my purse, and I just started saying it a, a couple of months ago. But I had two leaflets, one that had two faces, and uh, yeah, one of Veronica, and the other one of the shroud, it says. And basically, right. my question to you is, And I go before the tabernacle and I pray the prayers. Is there anything else, I mean, that you can add exactly? I would love to have more information.
0: Yes. uh, Actually, I I would advocate a couple of things. And these are available, by the way, through the um, society in uh, Champlain, New York, and in Montreal that Gordon Deary uh overseas he's really a modern day uh leo dupont uh, and i'll make that case again a little uh, later in the in the program but I, I would advocate getting the holy oils uh that uh th- that are available through that organization because i think uh, those are a critical part of this i would strongly advocate getting uh, a um a medal which is available uh which can be worn around your neck or simply carried in your pocket uh, and this is not about advocating Uh, necessarily the sacramentals but we know the importance of the sacramentals francis and i have done uh, programs on it and and i want to emphasize the importance of carrying the medal with you Uh, this was emphasized to um a mother uh, perini in uh in italy uh, when she was gifted the devotion to the holy face it was originally supposed to be a scapula but because of the financial condition that uh her and the order we in, they ended up defaulting to the medal, which the Blessed Mother then later said to her, the medal has the exact same effect as the scapula. So I encourage that. But you're doing the most important thing, and that is going before the tabernacle, going before the Blessed Sacrament, and have that image with you. I assume that you do have the image. Either one of them is fine, by the way. Have that image with you. But we are to meditate on and enter into union with that very image and we should recognize as we sit and stare at the face of christ he is staring back at us he is looking deeply into our soul he's gifting us with graces and with love and with mercy but there's as much communication going on from christ to us as we believe and hope there is from us to christ we want to bring our Uh, requests before him. What we'll talk about regarding um, uh, Leo DuPont this evening are the uh, untold uh, graces and miracles and healings that occurred as a result of the little altar that he established in his very own home where he kept a candle burning. And this would be another suggestion. I certainly wouldn't keep it burning all the time, but uh, keep a candle burning somewhere in your house and place that image right next to that candle uh, so that we have both the acknowledgement of the the fire of the holy spirit in front of the face of christ as again we watch him and he watches us what do we meditate on the prayers are wonderful we're going to talk just briefly about sister mary of saint peter's own form of recollection uh, before she would begin her prayer with the image of the holy face but uh, what do we reflect on we reflect on his suffering absolutely this is isaiah 53 Read Isaiah 53 as you reflect on that. It's a great series of prayers. Read the litany to the Holy Face and read it slowly. Read it with uh, devotion and read it uh, by, by focusing on and drawing real fruit out of, those, out of those words. There are a whole series of prayers beyond that. I don't want to necessarily run the whole list, but any one of the uh, texts, if you have the golden arrow or if you have any of the texts from Gordon Deary, I'll have Francis read them off here in just a moment. She's got a number of them. Um, read those prayers, but enter into those prayers as you are entering into a relationship with a person, because you are, it's the person of Jesus Christ, and his face is there to manifest not only his suffering, which we must acknowledge, and that which he's suffering today, unfortunately. It's also, and more importantly, manifesting his love for us. Francis, do you have some of those titles? Well,
1: um, what I was going to say was that there is a little booklet, very affordable, I think it's only $3, from Tan Books. It's called Devotion to the Holy Face. And it is chock full of wonderful um, meditations and prayers, in particular, uh, regarding the Holy Face. So, um, and there's also that website, www.holyface.org. Oh, dot .org. Yeah, sorry, you're mm-hmm. right. Yes.
0: Now, I, I don't know if that's been helpful for you. That's an awful lot of information in a short period of time. Hello? Uh, yep. Are you still there?
1: Uh, yes. Can you repeat that website for the Holy Oil? Ye- oh, the Holy Oil. Yep, same one. Okay. It's www.holyface.org. Okay. Thank you so much. It- uh, I love it. Uh, I just love it, you know, so I wanted to get as much information as I could, so
0: thank you. Wonderful. Well, I, I will tell you there is more information out there than you can imagine. Both book, uh, Francis and I are book lovers, and when I began to do the research, I was overwhelmed with how much was available. <laughs> Francis, you even beat me to the punch <laughs> on acquiring some of the titles, so uh, there are easily half a dozen books, but you're doing the most important thing, and that is sitting before that image and listening to the Lord. You can read all day long and not acquire what you're in that state of prayer before that image. But but having that image in front of you, so terribly important.
1: Thank you again.
0: Thank you. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Um, I see that if we don't begin uh, the process here, we may not get through any of the details. <laughs> so uh, I do just want to cover, and I, uh, if, if you would, I know you looked at a couple of the key revelations. I want to start with the first most significant one, which, of course, is where uh, the, the Lord gives um, Sister Mary of St. Peter, her mission. We covered her getting into Carmel uh, last week, uh, or I'm sorry, the last time we did the program, which was actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, but I want to just cover quickly uh, that revelation beyond the April one. Now, this is in August where he gives her um, the real mission, and it's actually the second. If you go into the Golden Arrow, it's the second revelation uh, that he gives her.
1: Well, I'm hoping I'm on the right page where this is at. Um, Here you go. Okay. Right here. Oh, okay. All right. This was on August 26, 1843.
0: And by the way, this is the day after the day of the Feast of uh, St. Louis.
1: Yeah, who is known as the Crusader against the blasphemy and who she has often referred to um, within the book. And there was a terrible storm. (laughs) Can you imagine? That's what we're looking at here. (laughs) But in this one, she felt the justice of an angry God as she had never before felt it in her life. And so kneeling down with her forehead touching the ground, she's offering our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the Father for the expiation of her sins and the needs of the Holy Church. And um, one of the other nuns, had that same feeling about this storm. And so they both decided to pray about this. And, and after the storm, she asked the Lord to tell her why she felt so strongly on that day his great anger uh, of, of the Eternal Father. And so even though she had recently had much aridity in prayer, uh, so that should remind you that even though we have aridity in prayer, not to give up. Okay, sh- uh, our Lord Jesus Then talks to her and he says, my daughter, I have heard your sighs and your groans. And I've also witnessed your ardent desire to glorify me, which desire does not spring from yourself. For it is I who have given it birth in your soul. And then he says, my name is everywhere blasphemed. There are even children who blaspheme. And then he made her see how this frightful wound wounds. This frightful sin wounds his divine heart more grievously than all the other sins. And how this curses him to his face. And it's like a poisonous arrow constantly wounding his divine heart. And then he gives her the golden arrow prayer. Should I go ahead and pray that prayer?
0: Let's do that. Let's leave that for when we return. We're a little bit over time. We'll do that as soon as we come back. Please rejoin us on Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
1: We're going to come back now with that special prayer that the Lord gave to Sister Mary of St. Peter called the Golden Arrow, which is an act of praise that our Lord himself gave to her in in a locution or vision. And here it is. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen.
0: Well, now, in further response to our caller's question earlier, I would reiterate that prayer should be prayed every day. Uh, We should contemplate that prayer we should dwell on that prayer we should let it sink into our hearts and our minds it should be as familiar to us especially in our day and age i'm going to advocate uh, as the our father or the hail mary now i'm not saying it's equivalent to them in terms of its uh, profundity but i will say uh, because of what we are facing as a church today in the in the onslaught of uh, our culture and i mentioned before the political and economic and and other challenges uh, that, that that present themselves to the church in our era, uh, I think we need to have this prayer on our lips every day.
1: And I might say that inside the book, The Golden Arrow, uh, the the phrase, and in the hells, was purposely written. And she tells why. And yet... Um, Often in the translation you'll find It'll be uh, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth So I don't understand why that was changed Other than maybe our way of understanding things are different now But um, I thought that was an an interesting uh, change there But um, if you want to read about what um, Sister Mary says about it It's on page 113 of the Golden Arrow
0: Well, and again, uh, I I want to suggest to our listeners that they get one or any of the texts that uh, most especially that which have the prayers in them there's the golden arrow prayer there are of course the uh, 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 promises which i want us to cover francis i don't know if we did that in the last program i do want us to just cover those quickly because i think they're critically important uh, back on uh, page 233 in the golden arrow and then um, of course there's the whole process of recollection prior to uh, entering into this prayer with our Lord and uh, Sister uh, Mary of St. Peter, having been a, a Carmelite, of course, had a very deliberate methodology for recollection, Francis, and a good one. Uh, do you want to share that? Do you have that yes. section?
1: Yes, And I think it's important for us to understand what her remote preparation was, or how she prepared before getting into the actual time of prayer, and what she would do here was she would try to keep the Lord present in her sight, which Teresa Vavla would. Definitely be teaching us as well. And she said she would do this interiorly by trying to keep him company the whole day long and treat herself as his little house servant. And so her duties as the house servant was to be ever nearer the master to execute all all of his orders, and to look after his interests. So with that, then she would try to converse with the Lord and try to avoid distractions, uniting all her actions to those of the Lord. But at the beginning of her actual time of prayer, she would make an examination of conscience, which is what all good Catholics are taught to do, after which she would humble herself at the feet of the Lord, And then beg him mercifully to purify her soul. I really like that. And then she said the Lord gave her one method of prayer, which is as follows. It's very simple, but it's three steps. Number one, empty your soul by recollection. That would be... Pulling your senses, your faculties inward and reflecting on Jesus within your heart, within Re- your soul.
0: Re- literally recollecting ourselves, right? Getting back to our center and, and, and dispensing with all those external distractions. We've talked about recollection, of course, many times.
1: And the second one was purify it but in, by an act of contrition. Right, an act was- of
0: contrition, right? Expressing to the Lord our, our compunction, our... our uh, Heartfelt regret for those times that we failed. And, of course, she lived to a very high standard, as she articulates, and we won't have time to go through all of it, but um, eight hours of prayer each day. And she would reflect on all of the stages of the Lord's life on a fairly consistent basis throughout the day. She would see um, him in the house in Bethlehem, and she would see him as a young boy working at Joseph's side and so forth. So she would reflect through all of that, and through all of that, she would express her Uh, Deep regret for her own failure at not having lived up to that perfect image that he presented throughout his life.
1: Well, then, of course, as you study all these saints, the closer they grew in their love of God, in their knowledge of God, in their prayer to God, the more they saw themselves as little and... As Teresa said, a wretched worm. And I think that's because they, they saw more clearly who God was.
0: They, they who saw God the is. perfection, right, in that image. You know, and there's something mystical. We, not, we have to acknowledge this. We can look at this image. I don't care if uh, if it is the shroud or if it is the uh, veil of Veronica. We can look at that image and we see we're, we're, we're uh, able to grasp with our own minds and our own hearts the pain as well as the love. What we don't see is the mystical effect that's occurring in us, is the transformation that the Lord has taken responsibility for of himself in looking at us, as I said earlier, and in really transforming our souls just by virtue of the fact that we've exposed ourselves to him. We have given ourselves to him, and for whatever amount of time we enter into that prayer, whatever amount of time we sit and gaze at his face, We have given ourselves over to the Lord and allowed him to do that work, and he will do that work in us.
1: All right, so that leads us to the third step. We said, first, empty your soul by recollection. Second, purify it by an act of contrition. And third, then fill it with God. And, of course, she feels herself interiorly just carried away, and she talks that this is the prayer of union, which is a high degree degree, uh, of prayer, um, the prayer of union. And it can be an extraordinary phenomenon. And, and Teresa also teaches there's the prayer of the union of wills. But here, uh, Sister Elizabeth is talking, or Sister Mary, <laughs> must be thinking of Bless Elizabeth the Trinity, pray for us. But um, here she's talking about the prayer of union. So this is a uh, a a form of pure contemplative prayer. And she goes on to describe that. So if you want to know what that's like, come to this book and read it. And then she goes on, you know, to talk about what the state of perfect contemplation is. But she then goes on to say, my usual method then is to make my prayer in the sacred heart of Jesus where he discloses to me his will allows me to share his desires of glorifying the eternal father and of laboring for the salvation of souls. And in praying thus, she finds much happiness. And then she says, and she, she runs out of time to give the thanks at the end, (laughs) but she hastens to give him thanks and praise. And then to, um, you know, accept whatever nourishment the Lord sees fit to give her. Right. And,
0: the lord has uh, emphasized here and i want i did find it earlier and i'm not going to find it now as we as we sit discussing it of course but uh, the lord emphasized in communication to her that this in no way diminishes her devotion to his sacred heart. In fact, it elevates it, yes. right? Because as we look through the eyes of an individual, we see into their soul, we see into their heart. And this is exactly what the Lord is saying, is that we look into the face of Christ, into the face of our Savior, and we see into his heart. We know his heart. Hearts are not known through the mind. They're not known through the intellect, right? We can't communicate to right. somebody the deepest, uh, either emotion, which is on a material level, or even uh, the spiritual aspect of a relationship, through the devotion to the Holy Face, we can come to experience that with our Lord and Savior.
1: Right. And and it goes with the name, too, because, you know, when you think of somebody's name, you, you put their face with it. And when you see somebody's face, you know their heart. So, you know, it's so connected. And I just think it's so beautiful that you have pointed that out to us so clearly at the beginning of the hour.
0: Well, I want to um, uh, move quickly, although I want to come back when we do The program on Therese Francis, we're going to have to spend a little bit of time, I think, uh, reflecting on exactly how one enters into this devotion, how the prayers go, uh, what other uh, uh, sacramentals are associated with. It. I think it'd be well worth our time to, to spend some time on that. I do want to cover a little bit about uh, Leo DuPont. Now, what's interesting about Sister Mary of St. Peter is that she actually passed away before she saw this work of reparation, which is what the Lord had asked for, a work of reparation against the sins of blasphemy and the profanation of Sunday, which means the... The um, abuse of Sundays by not to properly attending to our relationship with the Lord on Sunday, being distracted. This is so pervasive in our modern society. Absolutely.
1: Isn't it? But you know, she did have um, the conviction and the confidence from our Lord's own words to her that, you know, these materials would be printed and distributed. hmm. So that was wonderful.
0: Well, there was a man in tours at the time. We've mentioned him already. Leo DuPont. Leo DuPont. And he's
1: alive during her time. He is. And and the nuns are talking to him about Sister Mary.
0: Leo DuPont was an interesting character. And, of course, uh, we won't have time to go through all the details. So I'll pull out a couple stories about his life, which I think are indicative of, of the nature of the man his uh, father had actually passed away when he was relatively young his mother remarried uh, he was a man of considerable wealth even as a young man he had uh, considerable wealth uh, he went to study law he actually studied in the United States for a time uh, prior to actually entering his legal studies but uh, he was a man of um, uh, great integrity uh, a man of great honor and he aspired to be a man of letters he wanted to be a lawyer but he also wanted to be a man of letters and Somewhere along the way, early on in his life, uh, he began to have some experiences. He was a devout Catholic, I should say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he aspired to wealth and privilege and and property and so on and so forth, but he didn't find this inconsistent with his Catholic uh, life. But uh, some things began to happen to him early on in his life, and one of them was when he was pursuing his studies. There was a professor who was particularly anti-Catholic. This is a time, as we've said, when... um, the writings of Voltaire yes. were, were being, uh, you know, Emulated all over e- France. Extensively, right. The consequences of the revolution, which occurs, uh, had ended in the previous century, but uh, the manifestations of that, so much anti-Catholicism was still resident in France. And DuPont was aware of this, and he he writes this story about this one incident in a college classroom where the professor is continually, week after week, uh, slamming the Catholic Church and and... Uh, criticizing the Pope and so on and so forth. So DuPont and his buddies decide they're going to, you know, find a way to get back at this professor. They find out where he and his wife like to have dinner, and they buy, because they're all men of considerable wealth, even as young men, they buy a table, and they crowd that table with uh, (laughs) uh, friends of theirs, and in the midst of it, now they choose a Friday, by the way, I should emphasize that, (laughs) In the midst of it, they come in and, to the restaurant, and they loudly let it be known, as the waiter is asking for their orders, that they will be having fish that evening, because they're devout Catholics. Now, the professor, by the way, himself was a Catholic. Even though he would turned away from the church, um, he, he um, was yeah. a, 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 a baptized Catholic.
1: Intellectualese can <clears throat> sometimes do that to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, they were making it known that they were devout Catholics and they certainly wouldn't be found out on a Friday evening eating meat, uh, <laughs> in, in a restaurant as fine as this. So, uh, they made this uh, known and they, uh, of course, received a number of, uh, uh, direct and, and rather stern glances from their professor who was sitting there embarrassingly with his wife and his big cut of steak. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: well, then, and Leo DuPont did some other things, and I think his approach was first rather worldly, and then he becomes very spiritual. So I'll tell you the, the examples of the worldly ones, and you come on, yeah. on the spiritual part, okay, Mark? Well, uh, once upon a time um, when he was passing along the street, he saw an immodest picture in front of a shop So he stopped and he put his foot through the canvas, demolishing it. And the owner runs out, and he's very upset. You know, why'd you do that, you know? And and uh, he's basically saying, well, you know, you have offended me. Um, I'll return whatever you paid for this, but only on the condition that you promise you won't display this kind of picture to the view of the public anymore. And then another one was where he was in... Um, uh, a horse-drawn car, and uh, he heard a coachman utter a loud curse. And he reached out, and he blows the guy on the ear, hits him in the head, you know. <laughs> and and um, the driver says, "Well, I'm not accustomed to insults. I demand an apology." And and Leo says. Well, I don't owe you an apology. You're the one who insulted me. And the driver scratches and he says, well, you know, what I do to you? And Leo says, well, you twice insulted my father and ins- any insult to him is an insult to me. And he says, well, when did I insult your father? When you profane the name of God by cursing. God is my father and yours too. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he starts this on, on a very worldly, side, but uh, but in the end he goes spiritual. But, you know, the thing is he understands that this blasphemy is often a a comment, you know, using the Lord's name in vain, uh, in using this mocking, laughter that you hear, or sometimes this uh, philosophical attitude of a, a of an elite person, an enlightened person. Yeah,
0: so, so as we've said, so pervasive in our modern society. Of course, the church has gone through these uh, stages before, but uh, in in um, I think quite. Uh, stark contrast to uh, the way we have dealt with this in many cases. The church is, I believe, really being called now uh, to stand up. And this is what Leo DuPont uh, did in his time. And I want to read just a quick uh, quote that he uh, cited from uh, some counsel his mother had given. And my mother once told me, he says, I never needed to measure my actions to suit the temper of those in power. How much of that do we see today? Because I did not need their condescending patronage. I could afford to stand alone, if need be, to defend a principle. I believe this is the occasion for me to put into practice the counsel she gave me. Well, Leo DuPont, from that time forward, uh, makes a very clear decision that he is going to dedicate himself, this man who aspired to be a man of letters, is going to dedicate himself to the press but to the Catholic press, he- and,
1: and he also says he's going to pray more. Yes. I thought that was pivotal. He had these worldly encounters <laughs> where he's beating the, the guy in the head, uh, boxing his ears, and then he says, "But you know, he realized that this wasn't a very effective or adequate remedy." And he says, "Well, you know, I'm I could pray more," and so he decides to pray the Divine Office daily and he talks to the priest and the priest says yes this is the great prayer of the church and yes leo could do nothing higher than to give himself over to this daily recitation of the prayer and then he commences on on this publishing realm
0: right very important to point out francis uh, i agree couldn't couldn't agree more that he didn't begin by saying well what will i write about he began by praying Mm -hmm. he first turned to prayer and said Let me be guided here. I have these skills, these talents, these abilities, but let me be guided. Maybe I'm being presumptuous. Maybe uh, this isn't the call. We're we're trying to give you a picture of the nature of the man because he really was a remarkable man. And and I want to emphasize this point, though uh, Sister Marie of St. Peter was, of course, the one gifted with the uh, call to the work of reparation. Uh, She passed away fairly quickly, and none of this had come to fruition. Uh, The archbishop hadn't given his uh, okay for it. Rome had not been uh, brought on board yet. Uh, She had, in fact, said uh, this work of reparation will not go forward until there is a papal brief uh, that, in fact, establishes a confraternity for the the, uh, devotion to the Holy Face.
1: I think the only thing she got was the assurance of the Lord plus the permission of her superiors to make that act of being a victim for this work of reparation.
0: Yes, exactly. She she was the one, as is so often the case for great saints who bore the suffering for it. And she didn't get to see it come to fruition. In fact, uh, late in his life. Uh, many of his close friends would would say to Leo, "You you've done a remarkable thing here. Look at what you've brought about." He's in a man in his seventies now, uh, and we'll tell the story uh, just briefly. But uh, many of them wanted to credit him with shepherding the uh, arrival of the devotion of the Holy Face, and he said, "No, no, no, no. I was just the care." caretaker uh it was sister mary of saint peter his whole life he gave credit to her for for her having been the one who gifted it to us
1: but to his credit i think the lord was preparing him because he he knew something needed to be done about this blasphemy that was going on and so his own heart was being prepared for this isn't this beautiful how we can see the lord you know having worked in these souls
0: (laughs) worked in this man absolutely yeah um the timing here uh Sister Maria of St. Peter enters Carmel, and Leo Dupont lives in Tours in the city where she enters Carmel, and some things begin to happen very quickly after she enters Carmel, and she begins to have her experiences. We mentioned August 26th uh, in uh, 1844. She she has her first, I think it was 44, she has her first uh, revelation. The mother prioress of the Carmel had already begun to befriend uh, 43, Francis is correcting me, Forty-three, eighteen forty-three, 1843, had already begun to befriend uh, Leo DuPont. And uh, one day she calls for him to come to the Carmel. And she says, I want to read to you, Mr. DuPont, in the last few days, something quite unusual has taken place in our Carmel. A Sister Mary uh, uh, of St. Peter tells me that our Lord has given her a special assignment. He told her that he was being gravely insulted by the sin of blasphemy and that he wanted reparation blasphemy leo repeated thoughtfully what exactly did our lord say well let me read you the written account which sister marie of uh, saint peter gave me explaining precisely what transpired the prior said reaching for a a sheet of paper and she reads him of course uh, the uh, prayer and what the lord had said and leo immediately gives Um, the Mother uh, Prioress, some very good counsel. He does say that he'll take on the challenge. He wants to uh, pick up the pen, he says. I want to pick up the pen and begin to defend the church on this. But he says, uh, I must warn you, Mother, it'll be difficult. I think it will be very difficult because I know that the world loves flattery but dislikes correction.
1: Ooh, how insightful. (laughs) Francis! I have to tell
0: you, I highlighted that section in the book because I think it speaks so clearly to the message that we want to carry uh, through this uh, particular program and through many of the future programs that we will address on not only the Holy Face devotion, but uh, listeners, our church, as all of you know, is facing a very difficult time right now. Um, There are uh, political forces, there are political Uh, individuals. Um, There are uh, elements within our society, cultural and economic and other, um, who very much want to criticize our church, who would like to diminish our church, uh, who would like to box the church in in ways that would uh, limit its ability to speak the message of truth. And let me say clearly, because I've said this so many times, not on this uh, program, but I, I um, will say it now: Our church is not a political institution. Right. It is not a political institution. Like it my husband
1: a- says, if you don't like it, there's the door. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Its members are political. Obviously, uh, Catholic members, lay people can be political. But the church is an institution of God and, and it carries moral authority. And the efforts to diminish the voice of the church in our day and age, as has been true in previous days, um, is perhaps as pervasive as I've ever seen it in my lifetime of some 52 years.
1: Right. Now, this purification, though, can only result in something really good a more pure heart, it, it can. <laughs> a more pure
0: church. It can, and it will. When the faithful respond. Yes. And this is the challenge. We have to step up. Yeah. And now, Francis, we're Carmelites. And our Carmelite brothers and sisters who are listening to us, and if you're not a Carmelite by heart, I'm telling you, you are. In fact, Francis (laughs) said to me just before we came back on, she said, she looked across the, uh, the table and said, now, Mark, you realize uh, now, I have to give you a 30 second history lesson. The, the Carmelite order, of course, was established, we believe, spiritually by Elijah and that there were Carmelites are those following the Carmelite rule uh, before Christ actually entered Jerusalem. And so it's not unreasonable for Francis to suggest that. Who was it that was a Carmelite? Francis, you said earlier.
1: Elijah. Uh, Elijah. <laughs> but who
0: else did you say? Veronica.
1: Oh, you, Veronica <laughs> on the sixth station yes, of the way of, of, of the course, cross. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: this is where the veil is 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 given to us, and Francis said uh-huh. to me, "You realize that Veronica was a Carmelite?" And I said, "Yes, <laughs> you're right. she must have been." Uh, but but back to the serious nature of this uh, particular issue. I, I, um, I I've said before the church is not a political institution, but it is facing great uh, challenges from uh, political institutions and from uh, so many other forces. And I believe, as I've said this is the time really in the history of the church for the devotion of the holy face to come forward we need this devotion not only for ourselves not only for the healings and there are, i said there are uh, documented thousands of healings that occurred in uh, leo Dupont's uh, parlor where he established a little uh, chapel and burned oil in the front of the image uh, that's true we need that but we need this for the church to stand up and not to be representative only of that suffering servant. Obviously, Christ gives us that image, but to be representative of the love and the mercy and the grace that is afforded us uh, through this devotion. Now, Francis, I know um, uh, we 're going to run out of time before we get through half of the things that we wanted to say about this <laughs>
1: it 's good thing uh, we 're going to have some more programs on this <laughs> We
0: are and we may have to actually do another one. We will pick up with this devotion next uh, uh, not next week actually we 're going to do an, a special program on Mary I think uh, next week, and then we 'll pick up again with the holy uh, uh, devotion the, the devotion to the Holy Face. Uh, there's so much material. It's such a rich devotion that we really want to encourage our listeners to take some time to get some of the texts uh, to write to the uh, organization in uh, Champlain, New York, and in Montreal. And we'll give you that uh, on our website, and we'll read it next week. Uh, Or the week after when we pick up on this series. Uh, But we do want to make sure to close in prayer. So, Francis, would you close us out in prayer this evening, please?
1: Yes, this comes from that small booklet devotion to the Holy Face that Tan Books publishes, and it's the Salutations to the Holy Face in the Blessed Sacrament. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, O adorable face of Jesus, present in the most blessed sacrament more resplendent than the sun. Hail, thou noble seal of the divinity, thou mirror of divine perfections. With all the powers of my soul, I turn to thee, O Jesus, and humbly pray thee to imprint upon our hearts all the features of thy divine countenance. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you again. Uh, A little rush towards the end of the program. We really do have so much material to cover on this. Our final word on this is look into the devotion of the Holy Face and pick up this devotion. Uh, The church needs it, and the church needs each of us to be participating in that. God bless you, and thank you. From Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.